Hey, we are going to continue our journey in the book of Acts this morning. Acts chapter 11. I think these turn off somehow. There it is. So if you've got your Bible, open it up with me. Acts chapter 11. The, uh, the junior high is going through a curriculum uh, by Creation Science Institute talking about, uh, this morning they're talking actually about um, the validity of the Bible, that we can trust the Bible. The, the new um, young adults group, which we have meeting on Thursday night at 6.30, is, is going through the Truth Project. Again, talking about our faith and understanding that what we believe is true. The Bible is trustworthy in everything that it says and that we can put our faith fully into this. There's a lot of, uh, not, not just debate, but there's a lot of challenge that would try to tell us that the Bible is in, incorrect. Um, you know, lots of people say things like there's discrepancies. And, you know, there, there are some, you know, in the translations you'll find, a, you know, a, 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 f- a few minor things. None of them, uh, in the translations, you find them in the originals, you don't. But none of them change the message of the Bible um, that God is who he says he is, that Jesus Christ came. And so we're, we're going to continue our journey this morning. And part of what we want to do, I'm going to do this morning, is just give us some, it's going to be a history lesson in some ways. So if you've got a pen and paper, you might want to even write some things down. Uh, some terms that, w- that when we read our Bibles, we don't always understand, or you might not. And so we're going to give a couple little definitions as we go through chapter 11 in Acts. God bless this time in the Word. And just speak to each of us, Father, as only you can as we go through this whole chapter 11. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 10, if you recall, was, was Peter and, and Cornelius. Cornelius was of the Italian regiment. He was a God-fearing man, but he was not a Jew. And Peter going to him was uh, really unacceptable for the Jews because the Jews had no relations with the Gentiles, right? We've heard that term Gentiles. Let me define what a Gentile is. Because we, we, we might not know, as even having this conversation this week, you know, what exactly is a Gentile? A Gentile, the word um, in the Hebrew it is goyim, and the word in Greek is ethnos, which, you know, because it's, it, Greek is similar to, to our Latin-based languages, right now you'd go ethnos. Well, that sounds like ethnic, and that's what it was. The word Gentile is a translation. We translate it Gentile. Um, both goyim and ethnos really means nas- nations, it means people groups. Um, it, it, it's uh, translated and understood in context as heathen also. So, so sometimes when you're reading the Bible and you see the word uh, nations, it's the same word as, as it would be Gentile, which is ethnos in the Greek. Also, sometimes when you see the word heathen, the word in the Greek was also ethnos because of, of the understanding that when they were writing this, they were talking about people that were other than themselves, but they were also um, uh, heathen. They weren't God-fearing and they weren't God-loving. And, you know, it didn't... He, now, Peter uh, does refer to Cornelius and his group as, as a Gentile, but he wasn't a heathen. He was of another nation, but he feared God. 
he gave alms, and, and God um, saw that, and he wanted Peter to preach the gospel to him. Now, for the Jews, this, this whole thing is the beginning of the unleashing of God's blessings upon the rest of the world. And so, like I said, we're going to go some history here. Okay, Jew. You know, do we, the, uh, the, the, where that actually word comes from, if you, if you notice, the, Jew, the word Jewish did not appear in the Old Testament until uh, the book of Esther. It's a post-exile word for the, Jewish, for the Jewish people. We tend to think that the Jews are all of the, all of the Israelites. That's actually incorrect. So, so historically, you know, try, I'll try not to bore you too much, but, but if anyone likes history, you'll enjoy, you may enjoy this. The, the, the tribes of Israel, they were, which were the, the sons of Jacob, okay? The tribes of Israel, God changed Jacob's name to Israel. He had 12 sons. They formed the tribes of Israel. And it was Reuben and Gad and Asher and Judah and Benjamin and Dan and Naphtali and, you know, the seven dwarfs. Kind of, we always forget a couple of them by the time we're done. Simeon, um, Issachar, I don't know how many I got. Um, how come when you're doing the seven dwarfs, you always forget one, but it's never the same one? <laughs> Anyways. Um, and so they were, they were the people who wandered in the desert for 40 years. They were the people who went into the promised land under Joshua. The, the tribes of Israel, they were the people who began to take their lands in different spots. Same group of people coming together wanting a king. king and so they, they had King Saul, then they had King David and Solomon, and then Solomon's children. Well, after Solomon and, and with Solomon's kids who was reigning, um, the, 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 nation began to, the nation of Israel began to separate, became a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Ten tribes, two tribes. In the southern was Judah, and Benjamin joined in eventually, okay? Well, go, go down a little ways in, into a few of the kings. By the way, all the northern kingdoms, all the northern kings were all evil. None of them followed God. In the southern kingdom, most of them were evil. Only a few of them followed God. They worshipped other gods. Now, now, in history, most nations at the time and before this, they were all polytheistic, they had lots of gods. Um, Judaism, which really back then it was more of Hebraism, if you will, the, the Hebrews, um, they, they were the first group of people to become monotheistic, one God. And it changed, it changed the course of the world. They were one God people, the God, El, Yahweh. Um, and so, so they were worshiping one God. Well, as they came into the promised land... There were all the other people groups that lived there, and all of them were polytheistic, and they didn't destroy them. We remember when we went through the book of Joshua, we talked about that. They didn't fully wipe out these other groups of people, and so what began to happen is, is they, these people groups began to influence the Israelites, and they began to inf- influence them to keep serving multiple gods, and one of the gods that we hear most about in the Old Testament was Baal. Remember, we've heard of Baal, Ashtara, the, um, and so... They, they, would, they would bring in worship of other gods and the kings would follow suit and they would begin to worship other gods. So there was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And about 720 BC, um, groups came in and they, they took the northern kingdom into captivity and dispersed them and basically, basically wiped them out. They didn't kill them all, but, but they took them captive and, and left. A hundred or so years later, 
the Assyrians began to put people back into the northern area that weren't even that weren't Israelites, and and but they were living in the in the area of the northern kingdom of Israel, and so what what they began to do is have all these problems. There was animals in the land, and they started eating the people because God's judgment was on them. It's all Old Testament stuff. And so what the king of Assyria did, he says, let's give them an old Israelite priest to help them worship their old God, the one true God. And so they did. They sent a priest in to teach them the new ways. And that group of people became Samaritans. Okay? Which... Many of them had zero Israelite blood. The Samaritans, some of them did. They began to marry with the few people left in the area. And so the Samaritans became what we would think of Jewish. They became Israelite in their religion, but they were mixing it with the Syrian religion, with all the religions of the Canaanites and all the people there. So that's the northern people, the Samaritans. So, and let me give you another one Hebrews comes from the son of Noah, the son of Shem, whose name was Eber. And that's where they get the word Hebrew, by the way. Just, you know, get it. Okay? So, so they're, they're, they're Hebrews because they're all part of this clan. We have the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom, which was Judah. In, in uh, the 6th century, Judah was ca- brought captive into Babylon, and they stayed there for 70 years. During that time, at, at the end of that time, they, they put them back and they, um, the, the, the remaining Israelites, who was basically the tribe of Benjamin and the tribe of Judah, came back to rebuild the walls of the temple and reestablish now what's called Judaism. Judaism is because of the tribe of Judah. Jewish is the tribe of Judah. The other tribes do not exist. Anyone who says, I can trace my ancestry back to Naphtali, they, they, they really can't. It's almost impossible because those tribes were totally dispersed and would have become Samaritans. Interesting, huh? So Jews technically are only from the tribe of Judah, which is the same tribe that Jesus is from. Same tribe that Jesus is from, the tribe of Judah. So that's kind of the, the, the term Jewish, Judah, Judaites, Hebrew. What else do they get? Samaritans and Gentiles. So I hope you wrote all that down. So now you know. But when you're reading the Bible, it's, 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 it's good to kind of say, what are these terms? And, and to know a little bit about what we're talking about. And so, the, so let me give a little bit more with the, the well... We won't worry about Samaritans because we're not talking about Samaritans. So we're talking about Gentiles, mostly chapter 10, um, which was ethnos other than, than the Israelites, other than the Jews. And if you read the Old Testament, you see God's heart for the world. You see it in the Psalms that he would be lifted up in all the world, that every tongue and every tribe. I believe one of the things the Israelites did is they missed God's heart for the lost and rather than reach out to them rather than uh, in a sense evangelize their neighbors and bring them to the one true God they separated themselves from their neighbors and they kept themselves very separate for centuries and centuries I don't believe that was God's ever God's heart and so when Jesus came, he really tried to break down that. In the, and when he, when he ascended, and right here in the book of Acts, the beginning of the church, the, one of the first things is like, listen, this is not about you. This is about the whole world. 
And that's important for us as Christians. That, that's, a, that's a quick message. It's not about me. Christianity is not about me. It's about God loving the whole world and what part I can play in, in being a blessing and reaching the lost. And so that's, that's the beginning of the Gentiles. So at the beginning of Acts chapter 11, Peter, in my Bible, in the New King James, if you've got that, it says, Peter defends God's grace. Now, it's not in the Bible, so you only, only if you have a New King James Version will it say that. But what's about to happen is Peter's going to get called into account for bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the heathen, to the ethnos, to the Gentiles. He shouldn't have done that, they think. You know, don't do that. This is just for us. The salvation is only for us. And listen, in, in verse 1, Now the apostles and the brethren who were in Judea, also, you know, Judea is, is the term for, for, from Judah, and it was the area where they had settled. Um, on a map, if, you, if you're looking at a map, it'd be over here. Uh, you, you've got Judea and Samaria and Galilee, and below Judea, you've got Idumea. And so these are all the areas in the Bible you're talking about. Um, they were in Judea. They heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, which was the center of worship, the center of everything for the Jewish people, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, you went into uncircumcised men and ate with them? And so Peter began to defend what he did. And he tells the whole story that we went over in chapter 10 that hopefully you guys have been reading uh, up with us. And he begins to tell what happened, that he was in a trance, he was praying. While he was there, um, he saw a vision with unclean animals. And the Lord says, get up and kill and eat. And you know, we, we kind of went through that. Um, and they, he, he goes to say in verse 12... Um, I'm sorry, uh, verse 9. The voice answered, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. He's bridging the gap between the Gentiles and the Jews. Then he begins to talk about, you know, we're just going to go over these really quick, and I just want to hit a couple of things. I'm going to focus more starting in verse 19. Um, this guy, Cornelius, he had a vision to send over and get Peter, and so he came back. Um, and Peter says to them in verse 16, chapter 11, he says, Then I remembered what the word of the Lord said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Because when Peter preached the gospel to the Gentiles, they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues, and that was the sign that God was accepting them, that, that God loved this other group of people. And it was hard for Peter. I mean, if you remember in, verse, in chapter 10, Peter actually had to explain to Cornelius, you know, normally I wouldn't come to you Gentiles because it's not lawful for us to be together. But I'm going to make an exception in your case. Um, and so, it continue on, it says, if God gave them, verse 17, the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? This is a big part here. When they heard these things, they became silent. Then they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Wow, even those guys get to get saved. <laughs> what an interesting, interesting mindset they had. Oh, God loves us and no one else. We've got to be careful that that doesn't come into our belief system. God loves us and 
no one else. God doesn't really care about them. and He wants all to be saved. He's granted to the other ethnoses, ethni, I don't know. <laughs> repentance to life. And so, so that's kind of the, the summing up the first, first part of Acts. Let me go into starting in verse 19 because this is where a couple of things begin to happen. So um, in verse 19 it says, Now those were scattered after the per- persecution that rose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. We've got a map. We're going we're gonna to get into a map here. And uh, we're going to kind of do some... Uh, geography lessons. There we go. Now this is a map of Paul's missionary journeys, but, but it's the only one I could find that has the whole Mediterranean area so you can see it. Um, we've got Jerusalem down here, Judea in that area. You, it's not listing a lot of the areas up there. Above Judea would have been Samaria, then Galilee, and then above Galilee on the, on the left, right around where Sidon is, is an area called Phoenicia. The island off to the left is Cyprus. And then up, up on the right-hand side, it says Antioch. Antioch, you're going to hear a lot about. This is where we're at right now. Antioch was under Roman rule like everything was. Remember, Roman, the Roman Empire was the empire in the area. Antioch was the third largest hub for Roman activity in the world. There was about 500,000 people living there at the time. And so it's a, it's a hub. It's also... On, on a great trade route from anywhere from up north, you would have to go through Antioch all the way down, um, including if you wanted to get over here into, into Egypt. In a minute, we're going to find a group of people that came from even further away. Um, and because people like to look at things when I'm talking, you can turn it off for a minute. We'll put it back up there in a minute. I don't know about you, but if there's a, if there's a graphic on the wall, I just go... It says um, some of them were, were from Cyprus. We saw the, 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 the island. And s- oh, okay. Here we go. Actually, go ahead and put it back up because I'm going to use it already. Um, they were from Sandra's Anak, preaching the word to listen to this, to no one but the Jews only. I mean, they're just, I mean didn't, didn't Jesus tell the parable about the Samaritan? And here they're still only preaching to the Jews. These, these groups, some of these people that were scattered because of the, the persecution over Stephen. Remember, Stephen was martyred, and everyone began to get afraid that they were, uh, they were next, and they were. They would have been mar- could have been martyred too. But verse 20, some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists preaching the Lord Jesus. Another term we're going to get into, and we'll look at the map. Does anyone remember anybody from Cyrene in the Bible? Simon. I'm in, Simon from Cyrene. He was the one who carried Jesus' cross. Cyrene. <laughs> that is a long way away. The Jews were, were in all parts of the world at this time. There had been so many upheavals in, in the Jewish nation. There were, they were all... And, and, and remember, when we ever say the world and we're talking about Jesus' time... This is the world. You know, they didn't know of anyone else, anywhere else. This was the, when they, whenever the Bible says in the whole world, it was really just talking about the Roman Empire, which was pretty much everything on the map here. So from all the way from Cyrene up to Antioch and Cyprus, the people from Cyprus had a much quicker journey. They went all the way there to preach the gospel to the Hellenists. Who are the Hellenists? Greeks. 
they were Greeks who were following, um, they were Jews. Most likely, and this is most likely whenever you see the word Hellenists, you're talking about Jews who had been dispersed and were living in Greek areas, which means they followed Greek customs, they spoke Greek, but they were Jewish of of Jewish descent and Jewish blood, um, and they needed Jesus too. The Hellenists, remember we had an argument between, you can go ahead and take that off again, um, we had an argument between the Hellenists and the, and the, uh, the Jews be about who was getting the food, remember Acts chapter 6? So that's, excuse me, that's the Hellenists. I'm, I know, I told you this was going to be like a lot of history and, and teaching, so hopefully you get something out and I can get to the end and, and, and talk a little bit more about this. And so this group from Cyprus and Cyrene, they had come to Antioch and they spoke to the Greeks preaching the Lord Jesus. It says, The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. I want to, there's going to be a few things I want to point out. It didn't just say they believed. It says they believed and turned to the Lord. See, lots of people believe. I mean, a lot of people believe in God, and they believe the message. They, you know, they, if you ask an average person, do you believe in heaven? Yes. Do you believe you're going there? Yes. Do you believe in God? Yes. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. You can even say, do you, you know, is, is Jesus your Savior? Yes. A lot of people say that. But, but there's another part in here. It says they believed and they followed the Lord. They turned to the Lord. See, our Christianity is not just about believing, but it's about committing ourselves and following God. And, and that's one of the things that we need to help people do also, is not just to hear, not just to, to present information, they need to believe, but then they need to turn and follow the Lord. And I tell you, it's a lot easier to believe than it is to follow. Most of us in this room are probably guilty of that because most of us believe that eating fatty foods is bad for you. But we're going to go have a hamburger after church. Right? And all the guiltiest ones are laughing the loudest. That's right. See? Barbecue it away. We, we believe eating more salads will help me live longer. Yet, when's the last time you had a salad? Oh, good for you. And the rest are silent. I put some lettuce on my taco salad last night just to kind of get, hey, you know, put a little lettuce in there saying, I'm going to get something healthy in that. That's why we like to put oats in our chocolate chip cookies. Right? We go, hey, oats are healthy. I am making this chocolate chip healthy. Chocolate chip cookie, good for me now. Right? We understand belief, but the truth is following is harder. And this is what, what we're seeing here in verse, uh, in verse, was it 19 or 20? Um, 21, sorry. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. They turned to him and they, and they followed him. And he said, verse 22, Then the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas. Now remember Barnabas. Barnabas is this great guy. It, his name means son of encouragement. Remember the word bar in, in the Hebrew in the Bible means son of. So whenever you, somebody's got a name bar, it's son of. Uh, not the bar that's downtown at Chad's and Whiskey Dave's. Those are different bars. Um. 
And so Barnabas, he's the son of encouragement. He's a peacemaker. He wants to go in. He's faithful. And they picked the right guy for the job. Because in Antioch, remember, we've got now, we've got Gentiles, we've got Hellenists, we've got Jews, and they all need Jesus. They all need Jesus. Remember, as we've been going over in the past couple months, at this time, those that are following Christ are still Jewish. They didn't leave their Jewish roots. They found their Messiah. And they're, they're continuing to be Jewish. In fact, really, there wasn't a separation between Christian and Jews for, uh, for another maybe 20 or so years, and it began to separate more and more. And so they sent the right guy up there because he's just got such a good heart and he's going to bring in, he's going to be able to bring in reconciliation between the groups and help to show that Jesus came for all of them. So way to go, Barnabas. We need Barnabases in our life um, and in the church. He says, when he came and he, and he had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all. Encourage, remember, he's the son of encouragement. Encourage them all uh, that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. Keep going, guys. Keep going. Don't you need to hear that in your life? Keep going. Don't give up. I want to say to all of us this morning, discouragement comes in. Questions arise. Don't give up. Keep going. I also want to encourage us to encourage others. Look for the people in your circle of influence. Look for the other Christians that you know in your life group. People get discouraged, and we want to come alongside of them like a Barnabas and be an encourager and help them to to keep going and not give up. There's, There's people that are still on their path to knowing Jesus. Maybe they haven't even fully believed that he is the Messiah, the one true God. And they're on there. Keep encouraging people. Keep, we want to keep doing this and bringing people to continue with the Lord. Um, and then it talks about Barnabas. Barnabas was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He had faith. Um, and a great number of people, a great many people were added to the Lord. Now verse 25. So I think what happens here is that Barnabas is seeing this mission field. He's seeing um, different groups, sects of people coming to Christ, and he's like, I need some help. I need somebody who can minister um, in this area. And so he went, in verse 25, says, Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. Map one more time. In case you want to know where Paul's from, he's from I. There he is. Look at the, above Antioch, just a little bit to the left, is Tarsus. So when Paul said, Paul, Saul was from Tarsus, and, uh, which was part of the Roman Empire. And so remember, you know, we'll learn more about, there he is, thank you. Um, Saul, Saul is, uh, he's, he's, um, he's of Roman descent, he's he, Roman citizenship, I should say. So, so Barnabas goes there, but what's really cool is the word that they put here, the Greek, seek, is not, um, it's really seek, it's not find. Okay, for instance, if you know where your friend lives and you're going to go get him, you're going to go find your friend at his address. You're not seeking him. You know where he's at. It's real simple. This is the same word. Barnabas didn't even know for sure where, where, where Saul was, but he went to make a thorough search. And the, and, the, and the word is really used for like, it's the same word that Jesus' parents used when he was lost, when they went back to the temple to find him. And for three days, they were seeking him. 
So Barnabas is really looking for Saul. And, and Saul was probably kind of discouraged because he wasn't welcomed in Jerusalem originally. I mean, poor Saul. He gets saved and he loses everything. Pretty much loses everything. And so he goes, so I'm going to go to the group of people that I'm now part of. And they go, ah! <laughs> they don't want him either. He's just too much. And so he goes away and now he's, he's in Tarsus. He's, he's, he's really probably going, man, what am I going to do? So Barnabas goes and gets him. Thank God. Because this is the beginning of the ministry that we're going to see for the Apostle Paul. Um, when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Do you know the, bi- the term Christian? Do we need to, to? I don't think I have to define that one. Only appears three times in the whole Bible. Isn't that interesting? And every time, it's kind of got this idea that it could be kind of a, a negative connotation. Christian. In fact, one of the other ver- verses is when when uh, when um, the, the I can't remember who it was. He says. Are you trying to convince me to become a Christian too? Yeah, a Christian too. And it's kind of like one of them guys. That's how people say it now. <laughs> the governor, yeah. Anyway, I just can't remember if it was Peter Paul who was, who was witnessing to him. Are you trying to convince me to become a, a Christian too? <laughs> Today that's, that's uh, happening again. Oh, you're a Christian? The disciples were called Christians in Antioch. More common words for Christian in the Bible, I kind of like them. Disciple. Believer. Part of the way. Are we... See, Christian has been relegated to just this, this term. Are you a Christian? Are, are you a American? Are you Californian? Are you this or that? Is it, I mean... What is it? What does it really mean? There should be a lot of meaning in it for us. Hmm. Let's go into 27. We're going to finish the whole chapter today because there's something at the end I want to talk about. In verse 27, it kind of changes. So they've been preaching. They've been there for a year. And it says, In these days, prophets came from Jerusalem up to Antioch, which is quite a journey, Then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. And so I I went and checked. I said, well, was there there a famine? In around 47, 48 uh, AD, there was a a great shortage of food in a number of the areas. It it was uh, um, added to because those two years uh, fall to fall was a Sabbath year for the Jews, which means they couldn't plant their food and harvest. So it was leading up to a great, great famine, and they had to bring food in from other places. Other kingdoms began to send uh, f- corn and different different types of food in um, to the area. And so there was great when you go back and you go, oh, there was a famine, historically speaking. Anyways, let me move on. Um, so this is it. Twenty. We're almost done with the chapter. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. 
This they also did, and they sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So a prophet comes in and says, listen, guys, we've got to be ready. We're going to need food. The disciples in Jerusalem are going to need food. What are you going to do about it? And that's a message for us today. What are you going to do about it? What are we going to do when somebody needs your help? When somebody in the church needs to move? When somebody needs encouragement? The Bible in, in Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which I really want you to read, talks about the gifts that God has given to the, to the church, spiritual gifts. And it, it lists them out and it says, if somebody has the gift, let them use that gift. What gift do we have when we hear that things are happening in the body of Christ? You know, praise the Lord. Last week we took an offering for Pastor Jeff and raised some money and through the, the um, GoFundMe page, they're raising money for him. What other things might be happening in our life that you need to use your gifts? Now, here's, here's what the way God works. He doesn't want you to do things that you can't do to help people. He just wants you and me to do the things that he's gifted us to do to help people. He's not asking you to be an evangelist if you're not an evangelist. He's not asking you to be a teacher if you're not a teacher. He's not asking you to be, uh, have the gift of hospitality. He's not asking you um, to be a leader. He's simply asking each of us to do what he's gifted us to do. In there it says that each gave according to their means. Whatever they could give, they gave. If the church would get busy giving, serving, doing what they could do, the world would change. The world would change. But it's uncomfortable. It's difficult. We've got people, you know, and not just in the church, but in the church we've got people filling in and, and, and being obedient and willing to go and, and serve there we have people I see it happen on, on a weekly basis people giving somebody a ride or, or uh, taking people to the doctors cleaning yards cleaning houses the body is being activated how about you individually are you serving where God would have you serve your neighbors your friends your family are, 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 do you have a gift that you're holding back because you're a little afraid to use it do you have finances that God has been tugging at your heart saying, you can, I want you to give this to this missionary or to this work? Each one gave according to his means. Read Romans chapter 12. It really, it's, it's hard to even take any of this out of context, but at the very beginning in chapter 12, Romans, it says, Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we need, a, we need our minds changed by the Lord so that we can even enter into some of this, what he wants to say. Verse 3 says, So I say through the grace given to me, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought. Think of yourself soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For we as, as we have many members in one body, all the members don't have the same function. And, and isn't that true? We see that all the time. We go, I am so glad God didn't give me that gift that I would never be able to do X, Y, or Z. It says, we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, let us use them. Let us use them. 
If it's prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. If it's ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And it goes on. Let us love without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. What's your gift? What has God given you? Remember the the boy who brought his his two fish and his loaves of bread? That's all he had, and Jesus used it to feed the multitudes. You know, I think every one of you is is a gift of God and has so many gifts inside of you, and I want to see us all using them so that we can see the, the kingdom established, so we can see the gospel preached, so we can see lives changed. Just, you know, if we look around the room or look around any situation you're in, there's somebody who's grieving and they need to be encouraged. There's somebody who's struggling and all alone and they just need someone to walk with them. Let's, let's really be op- open-hearted, open-minded to see what God would have us do. Every one of us he's calling, but he's only calling us to be who he's calling us to be. You don't have to do and be what somebody else is. But I think all of us know when God is tugging at our hearts. Let's, let's just go to him in prayer for a few minutes. God, you gave us a a monumental and incredible task of preaching the gospel to every nation, of making disciples, of baptizing. God, you call us to use our gifts to serve one another. Father, we need your anointing to be able to do any one of those things, to be a part of any one of those things. Father, I would ask that you would come today and and minister to each and every one of us in this room. I thank you for the gifts that are represented in each and every person here. Lord, I pray that you would release us all. Give us the courage to step out in faith and boldness and to use a gift to minister to somebody, to encourage or help or to exhort or challenge to serve, whether it's a a physical need or an emotional need. Lord, I pray that our minds would be transformed, that we wouldn't be conformed to the pattern of this world, which is really a selfish pattern. It's a a get-ahead type of mentality. But Lord, that we we would give of our time, our resources, our talents, our abilities to love, to serve, not just the Christians, not just the body of Christ, but to love the world, those who don't know you yet, who you sent all of us to reach also. God, I pray that we would find the places of ministry, which is just another word for service, to love people and serve people in Jesus' name. God, we thank you for strengthening us, encouraging us, challenging us today in this simple message. 
Lord, to go and to be your hands, to be your feet, to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. And God, I pray that you would then help our eyes to be open to see the difference that we might make in someone's life and to continue to, to pour ourselves out in service to you and service to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.